Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Notes from the Electronic Cottage, believe it or not, has been airing on WERU for over 20 years now, and that is due in large part to the financial support of those who listen to WERU, support which is essential to keeping the station on the air. All of the program hosts we hear are volunteers, as are many others behind the scenes whose voices are never heard on the air. But that swell of volunteer energy doesn't pay the transmitter's electric bill or the heating bill or the equipment or all of the other things that keep the station coming to all of our ears. This is a great time to renew your support or join in for the first time. Call 207-469-6600, go to weru.org and click on the donate button, or get out the old paper checkbook and send your contribution to WERU, P.O. Box 170, East Orland, Maine, 04431. Thanks for keeping WERU going. And, given the Electronic Cottage's 20-year history at WERU, it's fun to paw through the archives now and again to see which episodes are still relevant today. Many, of course, are not, given the fast-paced changes always underway in the tech world. But some certainly are, like this one that could have been written this morning. Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. On a recent edition of the Electronic Cottage, we took a look at what Kathy O'Neill calls weapons of math destruction. The subtitle of that book is, quote, How Big Data Increases Inequality and Threatens Democracy, end quote. She provided examples of how computer algorithms in education, finance, insurance, employment, and a host of other areas are affecting our lives every day, and most of us don't even know it. Sent in a resume for a job at a big company recently? Odds are three to one that a human never even looked at it but a machine did. Applied for insurance on your house or car? Think you were offered the same rate as the person down the block with the same model car? Probably not. Some machine algorithm has figured out what the ideal price for your insurance is, from the company's perspective, of course. We all know that the price we paid for a seat on a flight is probably not what the person sitting next to us on the plane paid. But guess what? That kind of price customization, or discrimination depending on how you look at it, is working at almost every site on the web where you buy something. Algorithms, in short, are more and more deeply entwined with our everyday lives, and algorithms, because they are computer code, often have bugs. In his very interesting book, Geek Sublime, The Beauty of Code, The Code of Beauty, author Vikram Chandra notes, Quote, that software algorithms are now running our whole world means that software faults or errors can send us down the wrong highway, injure or kill people, and cause disasters. Every programmer is familiar with the most infamous bugs. The French Ariane rocket that went off course and self-destructed 40 seconds after liftoff because of an error in converting between representations of number values. The Therac-25 radiation therapy machine that reacted to a combination of operator input and a 
counter-overflow by delivering doses of radiation a hundred times more intense than required, resulting in the agonizing deaths of five people and injuries to many others. The flash crash of 2010, when the Dow Jones suddenly plunged a thousand points and recovered just as suddenly, apparently as a result of automatic trading programs reacting to a single large trade. End quote. He goes on to refer to a security specialist whose job it is to find bugs in government software, who observed that most software has a bug of one sort or another every three to five lines of code. And these are just the situations where an algorithm can be opened and looked at and analyzed. In those cases, it's often possible to see that an algorithm contains biases as well as bugs, biases that reflect, usually unconsciously, the biases of the people who programmed the algorithm in the first place. In this age of machine learning, however, once machine learning software begins learning, even the people who created it don't know exactly how it works. Recently, we've seen an example of this growing phenomenon in an unlikely place. The first international beauty contest judged by machine algorithms. It was won on a website called beauty.ai. The site was developed by a deep learning group called Youth Laboratories, a group, by the way, supported by Microsoft. The machines were supposed to learn how to use objective criteria like facial symmetry and absence of wrinkles, for example, to identify the most beautiful people in the world. The machines were fed large data sets of photographs to build algorithms that could judge beauty. Once that was done, over 6,000 people from over 100 countries around the world sent their photos in to see if they were among the most beautiful people in the world. There were 44 winners to this contest. Interestingly, only one of those 44 people had dark skin. A few were Asian, and the rest were, you guessed it, white folks. Seems that the photos used to train the beauty judging algorithm didn't have a whole lot of folks with dark skin in the collection, and none of the programmers even noticed. Now, this is a beauty pageant and doesn't have a whole lot of impact on people's daily lives, but there are more and more algorithms, many self-generating, that do affect our everyday lives, and the built-in biases in these systems, whether racial or economic or sexual, are having huge impacts on our lives every day. And we seldom even have a hint that they exist and that their creators may not even understand that the algorithms they built are biased and problematic. So, are these technical problems? Yes and no. They're really human problems, and they'll become more and more prevalent in our everyday lives as the use of big data algorithms grows. Kathy O'Neill sums it up this way in Weapons of Math Destruction. Quote, Data is not going away, nor are computers, much less mathematics. Predictive models are, increasingly, the tools we'll be relying on to run our institutions, deploy our resources, and manage our lives. But as I've tried to show throughout this book, these models are constructed not just from data, but from the choices we make 
about which data to pay attention to and which to leave out. These choices are not just choices about logistics, profits, and efficiency. They are fundamentally moral. End quote. Moral choices in computers? Yep, they're made every day in our increasingly digital world, and we'll do our best to point out some of those choices and how they affect our lives right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.